Welcome to Winning Slowly, taking the long view on technology, religion, ethics, and art. I'm Chris Kreitcho. And I'm Stephen Caradini. Today, we're going to talk about a Rich Mullins album. You may not know who Rich Mullins is, because Rich Mullins, God rest his soul, has not been alive since 1997. This does not mean, however, that his album, what we consider his best album, A Liturgy, A Legacy, and A Ragamuffin Band, is still not the best album that CCM has ever produced. CCM being contemporary Christian music, if you're not familiar with the abbreviation. It's true. It's true. And so, you know, we have been talking a lot about business and technology and some about art. And so we wanted to focus on some religion. And there just hasn't been a lot happening in terms of controversies or technological foibles or there there just hasn't been a lot going on with Christianity and there's been a lot going on with Islam but we don't really feel qualified or uh, we can't really speak to it so we decided that uh, to not neglect our charter and to <laughs> religion ethics and art <laughs> religion ethics and art uh, we would talk about an album that we really love. Uh, we talked about the collections Ars Moriendi last season. It went over really well. Um, I just saw the collection live in Durham a couple days ago. They were great. Wait, they uh, were here? Yeah, they were here in Durham. I am all the sads. Oh, I did not I'm know. Sorry. Yeah, it was a Sunday night. It was rough. Uh. So it was kind of a last minute thing that I knew as well. So. We we love this album, and I was thinking about it this week because I uh, I often listen to it when I'm in a particularly difficult week, uh, or if I'm feeling nostalgic, or if I'm feeling sad about something. And um, for one of those reasons, I was uh, listening to it this week, and it just just made me remember how wonderful it was. And partially, it's because I grew up listening to it. And partially it's because it's still just amazing. Probably the most formative album for me in terms of the way I think about Christian music is this one. We were talking about it yesterday, and I noted a few of the themes that appear in it. Eschatological hope, mourning and lament, prophetic critique, simultaneous love of and distance from our country, silliness. There is, after all, a song on this album called Screen Door on a Submarine. No, I don't think that's on this one. Oh, no, you're right. It's not on this album. I was thinking of no. songs. Okay, so it doesn't have that yeah. one. Uh, it does have... Uh, the Christmas song. The Christmas song, which is where the silly comes in. And, it has, and hard, which is... It has hard, is, which is 80s sort of Christianish rock weirdness. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, it's it's kind of humorous and kind of serious at the same time. Uh-huh. It's, it's pretty much a satire. Yeah. It's got a pretty intense song about god's judgment it's got joy it reflects on the beauty of the world i mean this album just goodness gracious what doesn't this album have is an easier question to answer and one of the real beauties of it is that it does really capture a lot of what the christian life includes there is joy there is tension there is hope there is peace there is longing there are all these things in what Stephen in our conversation described as 
mystical, raw, wild, passionate, and holy. I think you said it sounds like music that Christians should make, and and I think that's right. And not much music that Christians make, at least in the pop sense, does sound like this. Yeah. And so this album is something special. And so, yeah, it's, you know, well over a decade old, but there's still something about it that resonates with both of us. So we thought we'd take some time and trace out some of those things and why it is such an excellent album. Yeah. And we would encourage you to go torrent it, but it's kind of impossible to torrent. <laughs> there's a there's a bit of an aside there about, well, Christian culture and how it does actually look different from the surrounding world sometimes. Sometimes in those subtle ways that are, are really the kinds of things we would expect and hope it to be, rather than some intentional big flourishing way. It's just that we're quietly different, apparently. Christians don't torrent Rich Mullen CDs, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, apparently not, which is good because all of the proceeds from his um, albums are being directed to good causes via his church, which has his uh, estate in trust, et cetera, et cetera. But that sort of ethical approach to the world and to being Christian and to being alive really, um, really underlines this album. Like this, this album is about being alive like it's not about heaven it's not about the past which he has plenty of albums about the past the world as best as i remembered it volumes one and two um it doesn't have elijah on it which is about thinking about death like this album is firmly and squarely about what it means to be alive yeah right here right now Mm-hmm. and he does that in a corporate sense with the song here in america which is a beautiful piece of poetry on its own that's set to a wonderful song that really looks at how do you live in a place when you know it's your home, but you know it's not your home. It's not your long-term, full existence home, but it is where you live, and it's pretty. And you love it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that is, I think... And I think you said the same thing the other day when we were talking about it. My favorite and the best expression I have ever heard of the tension of what it means to be, you know, a Christian who says, my ultimate allegiance isn't to America. And yet an American who says, I love this country for all her faults and sins. I'm glad to be an American. And, you know, he specifically situates it there in America because he was an American. But that's the that's the thing all of us feel in some sense about where we're from of I love this. There are things about it that just move my heart like nowhere else in the world because this is my place. And yet I'm always wanting something that's not this want looking forward right. to a time when things are better than this and a place that's like this is but where the greens are greener and the blues are bluer and the sins stop. And speaking of green, one of his more pastoral pieces of poetry, uh, the the best, in my opinion, of his pieces of pastoral poetry being um, The Keeper of the Plains, um, but one of his best is in The Color Green, where he talks about how the world looks to God as he's creating it and as it's existing in its creation. Um and it also has an incredible penny whistle solo that makes you think that maybe more people should use penny whistles and then realize that maybe they shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> because, let's be honest, 
most people wouldn't do it that well. That's right. That's right. Um, it's like when you when you learn to play the bagpipes when you see someone playing bagpipes and then you realize that was a horrible idea. Um, <laughs> that's not personal experience. Let's just be clear. Um, but it's it's a beautiful song that really captures his appreciation for the world and the way it looks and the way it is um, physically, which he was a great descriptor of how things looked physically. Um, and which is, I mean, why it's called the color green is that that was the thing that was capturing his attention at that point, which is remarkable. Um, and one of the things that I'm really aspire to is to be able to see the world in the ways that this album really sees the world from. sense in which all really great artists inspire you to want to be able to see and feel and think about things the way they do they draw you out of themselves out of yourself and that's totally what rich does with the lyrics all throughout um he on i'll carry on or on peace or on uh hold me jesus which is um, an incredible song about the difficulties of life uh, which is particularly amazing because when you think about, you know, musicians or you think about people who are, you know, famous or doing, you know, big and important things, it, it usually you don't think of them as being sad or being depressed. Um, and that's, you know, maybe just kind of taken apart a little bit over the past 10 or 15 years. But in the 90s, you definitely didn't think about that. And you furthermore didn't think about that in relationship to people who were like leading you spiritually. Like right. that was not a thing that happened in the 90s in most places, um, particularly in, you know, evangelical culture, which you could actually talk about as a thing in the 90s because it was more coalesced as a real thing. Um, not so much as the 80s, but still existing in the 90s. And so to have... You know, the person who wrote Awesome God and Step by Step and these amazing anthems of the Christian, you know, evangelical movement say, hold me, Jesus, I'm shaking like a leaf is like remarkable. Um, and even uh, to some level unsettling, um, except that if you can take it out of its evangelical concept every or evangelical uh, context, that's a thing that we feel all the time, that everybody feels all the time. Yeah. And and when you say out of the evangelical context, we're, we're meaning not in the sense of out of his evangelical theology, which is, I mean, the song is just shot through with that, but out of the particular cultural context in which it was maybe a little jarring to hear that kind of reflection. And that, I think, is one of the things that made Mullins so effective then. And that leaves him powerful now is he wasn't ashamed at all to be authentic. And authenticity has sort of become the cardinal virtue of our generation. And there are downsides to that. But 
what Mullins managed to do in this, as well as in many other albums, is marry the authenticity that we crave, that recognition of I need help, I'm broken, I'm I'm weary, or I'm tempted to embrace the, you know, thinking about hard, which is that somewhat silly sounding late 80s rock anthem feel where he's really being satirical about the temptation to embrace kind of the big, tough, strong power my way through my life on my own. Oh, that's that's how to grow up big and strong. Oh, yes, you're right. Hard is the one where he says it's hard to be like it's Jesus. It's hard to be like is, Jesus, which, which is, is still... true. <laughs> which is true, but it's kind of it's a different funny one. when he says it the way it does, yes. when, the way he yes. does it. So. Uh, sorry, flipped those in my head. Um, but yeah, that there are those temptations and there are those struggles, and he gets that across, but he does it without glorifying the struggle. He says, this is hard. This is challenging this is tempting i need help but he does that without doing what i have seen a lot of artists since do which is make the struggle itself everything rather than recognize that the struggle has a point and a purpose and is going somewhere yeah yeah all throughout this album he definitely grounds the struggles and the joys in both current and eschatological hope um, hope, hope for the reality of life that things can get better. Um, hope for being peaceful, um, and then also, you know, eschatological hope in that one of the the centerpiece of the album, if there is one, is Creed, which is a song that is just the Apostles' Creed with a little bit of rumination on it thrown in, um, and it's a remarkable fit in the midst of all of the the other songs and that it it kind of grounds the rest of them and says because i believe this i believe what i believe and that makes me what i am all the other songs are possible to exist whether it's 78 eaten wood green which is an instrumental or um you gotta get up which is about how great christmas is if you're a kid <laughs> um or the land of my sojourn which is about you know sojourning and how that's difficult so there's there's a remarkable lyrical sense throughout this but there's also an incredible musical sense yeah that's what i was just thinking is mullins was a great poet and great poetry is you know it's a rare gift to be able to put words together in a way that really move you just as the words you can look at the lyrics of a lot of these songs just black and white on a page and be moved but then you put this with the music and my goodness it's breathtaking i mean 78 mm -hmm. eat wouldn't 78 eaten wood green when he just lets loose with the hammer dulcimer oh man <laughs> it's, it's great just, and it's great and creed mm -hmm. and uh 52 10 mm -hmm. and oh it's just beautiful beautiful stuff and i've heard Remarkable. people cover especially creed and it's not the same no, uh, you gotta, you gotta have, you gotta that. have the hammer dulcimer, <laughs> and and partially like that's because the motion of the hammer dulcimer, along mm -hmm. with the uh, kind of the intricacy of it, but also the fragility of it. So it has yeah. this sort of tension that you can do a lot very quickly with a hammer dulcimer, and you can really give motion to a song, but you also are making a very small sound. Um, and so to balance that with giant 
late 80s gated drums which appear on this album <laughs> what up uh to balance that is a a remarkable feat of arranging that he knows how to do it so that yeah it's done to great effect because it's done to incredible effect on creed um but also that he's aware of what the instruments do and how they affect the other instruments how they affect the vocals and the lyrics and everything yeah um, and that's a rare skill like that's a mature songwriter's skill to know not just I know how to play this but I know how to play this in relation to everything else that's going on so that people know what I mean write it originally on a hammer dulcimer of course he wrote it on a guitar uh, and it was the act of taking that really great musical texture and then applying those instruments well applying the sound of the hammer dulcimer which those things you were articulating i think are a huge part of what makes that song work in some sense when we state the creed that's what we're doing we have these small voices set against the backdrop of a very large cosmos and a very large sweep of history and we're we're making this statement that is incredibly profound about the things we believe in the things that we say define us with these little voices and this little statement and trying to shape our lives after it and this whole album then as you said kind of flows out from that it's an attempt to live one's life in light of the creed but it's there's a tension there and it's hard and it's difficult and those little motions we make they ripple out in profound ways but they're also fragile and you know making the move to do that as an artist is it's brilliant and it's really hard honestly listening to a lot of very talented thoughtful hard-working artists write music gives me an even greater appreciation for how hard it is i look at the only guy I can think of who's even in remotely the who's in the same town, much less the same ballpark these days as to what Rich Mullins was doing is a guy named Andrew Peterson. And he's good. He's very good even at times. But Mullins stuff still just stands head and shoulders above what he's doing. And that's astounding that you can take a guy who's really, really good and is honing his craft carefully and is mature as a songwriter and working hard and it's still just not. Mullins just he's got something special going in in a lot of his albums but maybe in especially this one yeah and that's that's one thing that's you're right that is remarkable and partially we have to separate out like the nostalgia factor and that we both <laughs> grew up on this album from the fact that going back and listening to it it's still an extremely it's still diverse, really good 
It's a, it's an extremely diverse set of sounds, and it's an extremely diverse set of lyrics that are all held together by consistent themes, both sonically and lyrically. And that's something that plays regardless of whether you're in the 1600s or today. Like, if you can put together something that says something, you know, isn't just a collection of songs. And there's nothing wrong with just having a collection of songs. Interestingly, his greatest hits collection, which isn't a hits collection in the strictest sense of the word, <laughs> is just called Songs. Um, he knew what he was with, saying. <laughs> yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with, with just having some songs. But really putting things together in a way that tells a point or a message or a story or an emotion, um, that's really difficult. Um, regardless of whether you're using 80s drums or not. Um, and <laughs> 80s drums and do make it harder. Do make it harder in some <laughs> ways. But that's what I most took away from listening to this again, is that there's an underlying emotion that is difficult to explain in words, which is good because he explains it in music and that's how he explains it. Um, but there's this underlying emotion, this kind of like longing and awe and kind of grasping and ungrasping of life at the same time that really allow if you're having a bad day you can go and listen to it and feel that sort of longing um, for that you are part of um, or if you're having you know a difficult stretch of time you can go and listen to this and and feel a part of it um, and I think that because he had the creed as the centerpiece not only is it saying like this is a fundamental document in the way that we understand the world as Christians, but he's saying I'm situating this not for people who live today or tomorrow or next week. Like this is how Christians can live. And that sort of wide open understanding of the space. I mean, it's much more, like you said, 5210 is a prophetic reading, but even just in the way that the whole album is situated, it's situated in the same way that prophecy is, and that, like, this goes out to you, but there's also other people who are going to read this at other times. Yeah, and that grounding, I think, helps it a lot, because you could have almost all of the same songs on the album, and without Creed, it doesn't have the same weight. It doesn't hold together in the same way. And the other thing is, just as it is an encouragement in times of travail, it is also, I think, grounding in times when you're doing well. You know, I've listened to this album yeah. and just been chastened to think clearly again, not to, not to let those temporary joys, good as they are, be ultimate which is a real temptation in life. And he, mm -hmm. he doesn't let you go there either. He, he grapples with both of those. And, and yet with, with both of those things, I think it's worth clarifying. C.S. Lewis made a point in some of his discussion on art that one of the real dangers, perhaps especially for Christians, that he had noticed was the tendency to take art only as something that reinforces what you already feel and that just kind of gives you the warm fuzzies as it emphasizes what you already think about something. But good art takes you out of yourself, and it stretches you, and it makes you confront the world differently. And as we said at the beginning, Mullins had a vision and a feel of the world 
grounded in the creed, but then running out to what it means to be an American, what it means to struggle, what it means to be tempted to do things in the non-Christian way, what it means to wake up on Christmas morning when you're eight and there are presents mm-hmm. under the tree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He he makes you feel those things. And so it doesn't do what so much Christian art of the last couple decades that I've experienced does. It doesn't leave you just kind of reinforcing whatever warm fuzzies or kind of give you a momentary perk up when you're down. It it encourages and chastens you by confronting you with things that are bigger than you, that are outside of you, and ultimately, as you pointed out here, takes you to the creed, which is a statement of things that are very much outside of yourself, that are uh, what what we're calling eternal truths. What we're saying are the core essentials that Christians have been affirming for millennia. And when you take a step back and you think about affirming something for millennia, it grounds you. It makes you small. Mm-hmm. And that can be a really good thing. Yeah. And you mentioned Christmas song. And I think that's one of my favorite of his songs, not because it's a masterpiece of arrangement, <laughs> uh, because he has plenty of those, but because it takes something that we all understand that's part of life is being excited on Christmas morning and be excited for presents and wondering what presents you're going to get. Um, which are literally things that he says in the song. It's great. Yeah, it's a great song. But it situates it against his or her parents telling them that why Christmas exists, like that little baby on Christmas morning. And it's this passionate way of of saying everything comes out of the way that we view Christianity or that the way that Christians view Jesus, which he would extrapolate later in his last album, which is just called the Jesus album. But everything that is on this album comes out of an understanding of Jesus as not just a savior, which he definitely 100% is, but as the way that we orient ourselves. Right. The way we think about everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like when he asked Jesus to hold him, when he asks for peace and when he, um, which is a, a song about communion and the ways that communion works in the life of Christians. Like this is all related to how Jesus fits into our lives, which is something that Christians have to think about forever. And yet he does that without it being treacly or, or sentimental or, or campy. Yeah. yeah it's, he, he runs that balance that's really hard to pull off. It's really easy either to turn that into mere sentimentalism or to go off the rails in the other way and just not talk about it. Hitting the balance is hard, but he, he did it. Partially it's because he knew all of those things existed. In another of his songs, like he talks about mere sentiment and he so he was he was really deeply aware of the people that he was singing to and the kind of culture that was surrounding him and what he was working against but instead of just defining himself negatively and saying i'm not like those people he replaced it with a different vision of what he felt that well of what he was which is a thing in and of itself but of how he felt that people should live and how they should be in relation to jesus and life in america it's wild it's good yeah before you go First, a hard thing, because that's what this is for. Don't forget how rough things are in the Middle East. Uh, 
things have been bad continue to be bad. There are ways in which it looks like there might be some progress, but there are also a lot of ways in which things remain just bad, and it has spread out and continues to affect more nation-states there, and and we should all continue to pray for the the peace of those nations and seek to contribute to that in whatever way we can. Also, on a happier note, we would like to point out the funniest thing that Chris and I have seen in a long time, which is a a short movie that says, what if Wes Anderson directed X-Men? And oh my gosh, it is the funniest thing <laughs> I have seen in so long. It is a perfect recreation of his style and it makes fun of but lovingly appreciates both the x-men and wes anderson you gotta (laughs) check it out it's worth your time the music we used throughout the episode was from rich mullen's album a liturgy a legacy and a ragamuffin band we used it under the understanding that it should be covered by fair use you should go buy those albums on itunes maybe buy all of his albums on itunes because they're splendid and wonderful until next time thanks for listening